Welcome back to the Nuggets of Gold podcast and YouTube channel. It has been quite a time since we've recorded, since we've been on YouTube, you know, Spotify, wherever you guys are listening to us at. Um, but it has been a while. It's been, I think the last time we recorded, Aiden, was right before the draft. I want to say a couple days before. Maybe we did one right after the draft as well, but that was in April. So we're recording. I think today is actually September 1st. Look at that. Um, so it's about three, four months ago that we recorded. Um, but we're going to talk a lot about the Niners today. Going to talk about this 53-man roster. Um, and the plan for the show moving forward is to be doing one show a week, probably. I'm guessing we're going to try to shoot for Monday, uh, just so we'll talk about the game right after it happens. Maybe if it's a Thursday night game, we'll record on Friday. Monday night game, we'll record on on Tuesday. But we do plan to be, you know, posting throughout the whole season, um, and also throughout the off season. I, I'm hoping next uh, next year as well, because Aiden and I both we like following the draft. Last year, fortunately, didn't get as much time to actually follow the draft, but I'm planning to really dive deep into it this year. So I'm looking forward to talking about that down the road. Um, but no draft talk, nothing like that today, because we are going to be talking about a 40, 49ers team that I think is going to be really, really good. Um, we're going to be talking about the NFC, going to be talking about Trey Lance, this 53-man roster. Um, and the NFC is weak. The 49ers are, are one of the best teams, and they have a guy who's never started, that will never started like a season as the starter. Obviously, Trey Lance got some reps last year, um, a little bit up and down. That's how training camp has gone as well, but Let's get into this 40 or 53 man roster um, and we'll talk about Trey Lance after and then we'll finally wrap it up with some NFC playoff predictions. Um, but let's get into it. Aiden, what were kind of the biggest surprises about this 53 man roster? Um, I know that there's two that I think are very obvious that they're the ones that are going to stand out. Um, but what did you think about this 53 man roster and, and what do you think about some of the cuts, some of the options uh, for keeping guys on this on this team? Uh, I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, Kyle kind of went against conventional wisdom and there were some cuts that he made that I think people wanted to keep like Jason Poe. Uh, obviously, we're able to retain him on the the practice squad. So Kyle, I guess, knew something a little bit different than uh, some other people. Um, but like like you said, this is this is going to be a really, really good Niners team. Um, and the fact that I think we had three guys claimed right away. Uh, after we got got rid of them, um, kind of proves that this is going to be a, a really good team. If you're cutting three guys that are going onto active rosters, um, and I think the Bengals even picked picked one up, and that's a Super Bowl appearance team last year. Um, I think that that says a a ton. Uh, obviously, the Trey Sermon cut, uh, like a day and a half after that that 53 man first cut down, was interesting. Um, and they have not done a very good job of drafting third and fourth round running backs. Um, so that's something that surprises me because Shanahan's been so good at finding people late. You would assume when he handpicks his guy, um, even when he paid all that money for Jarek McKinnon, like it didn't really work out. Um, so it's interesting that the Shanahan's seem to have made a little bit of a deal with the devil to only be able to pick up undrafted and late round guys. Um, but un unfortunate for Sermon, it's possible that he still is retained on the practice squad. Um, I assume somebody's going to put in a claim for him, but um, wish him the the, the best. And um, un unfortunate that he wasn't able to make this team, but it created an opportunity for Jordan Mason, who was sort of the star of, of the preseason. That guy runs hard, um, and I think he's going to be kind of an underrated piece of this running back room moving forward, um, kind of take over that Jeff Wilson will role potentially uh, as he gets up there in, in, in age. But um, like, like Matt said, this is going to be a really, really good team. There were a couple surprising cuts that we'll jump into a little bit more. Um, but I mean, I'm just so excited for this season. Uh, obviously the, the Jimmy stuff we're going to dive into when, when we talk about Trey uh, feel so sorry for the lady who's still drawing him every single day, um, which is uh, quite un unfortunate, but um I have warmed up to the move a little bit. Uh, I didn't like it when it first popped out, but I can understand the the thought process a little bit better now. Yeah, and I'll, I'll start with Jimmy a little bit because I was like the same thought thing that you just said. It happens. I was like, what? We're keeping Jimmy. Why? Like, isn't the whole point that you're trying to move on? You're trying to have your quarterback be the guy. And I think that was everyone's initial reaction. Why would they keep, why would they keep Jimmy if Trey's going to be the starter and they're sure of Trey? But then you look into it a little bit deeper and it makes, I think it makes a lot more sense after like the initial reactions, because one, 
we know that Jimmy Garoppolo is hurt and they couldn't really trade him earlier in the offseason, um, which which definitely was a big blow to the Niners offseason plans. You didn't have a lot of extra money to work with. Now that money will roll over. I think I actually think the Niners are like one of the top teams in cap now, which is kind of weird because they have like one of the best rosters in the league. Um, but you look and you go, okay, so they're say they're they're spending like maybe an extra, I think it was like three million dollars based on what Jimmy was gonna get paid if they cut him. They were not gonna trade him. The only team that wanted to trade for him apparently was the Seahawks. So if they were going to cut him and then the Seahawks were going to pick him up and make a significant upgrade to their quarterback room for two games that you're playing this year, or you could keep Jimmy for like three or $4 million more as your backup and have the best backup in the NFL with a super raw young quarterback. That's what 22 years old and Trey Lance. And I don't think it's about Lance like not being good, but he's also a guy that we don't know how, how injury prone he is. We don't, we haven't seen him in a lot of games. We've seen him run the ball a lot. We've seen him take some big time shots. Um, but you look and you go, okay, so if you would have cut him, the Seahawks would have picked him up and then you would have saved 3 million bucks. I would probably rather have the guy have the best backup quarterback in the league and not let my division rival make a significant upgrade in the quarterback room. You also keep looking at it and you go, so they have a no trade clause with Jimmy. So they're obviously like, they're, they're going to work together if they are going to trade him. If a quarterback goes down in week one or two, the Niners could easily trade Jimmy Garoppolo for like a third round pick. If Jimmy Garoppolo, I, think, I was going to say I a comp think, pick as well. Yes, I think the comp pick is a third. I think they start at, at a first or second round pick. And if they don't like the offer, they'll, they'll just take a third at the end of the year. I think that that was a really, really good point. That's That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, because I mean, you look at you look at the comp pick and you look at how that would work out, and it is like kind of odd just because you you see a guy that's he's a backup. He didn't no one wanted to pick him up, right? But then let's look at some of these starting quarterbacks around the NFL. Look at let's look at some of the ages of these quarterbacks around the NFL. Jimmy's going to have a market. He's going to have a market if he hits free agency next year, or I should say, when he hits free agency next year, because there's teams that are going to need to pick guys up now. The, the dra- draft-wise, there are some better quarterbacks than this past season. Um, that's why I think it was a little bit weird that we didn't see Jimmy Garoppolo get moved just because, like, the best guy was Kenny Pickett, and he's not starting over Mitchell Trubisky to start the year. Like, that gives you a, a pretty obvious thing. Like, okay, the quarterback uh, class was not very good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you look at the comp pick. You look at what Jimmy's made. You look at he's probably going to get signed to start a season. Yeah, they're going to get a decent comp pick. So that's another aspect of it. You're going to cut him and give up nothing and not get a pick? not get a, I'll say a second to fourth rounder just to be like conservative with that estimate. That's a decent pick. That's a decent pick that you'd be losing. So I think that, that Jimmy stay makes a lot more sense than I initially thought. Um, and I think it's probably a lot safer too, for the season. If trades to go down, you're going to rely on Sudfeld to take you like, what's the difference with Jimmy? We just saw Jimmy take this team two of the last three years when he was healthy both times. I mean, not even healthy last year, but he was playing right. Um, he took them to the Super Bowl and a championship game. Did he play good in the playoffs? No. But you saw that he was st- that this team was still able to rally around him and go that far. So I think it's like a backup option. That's phenomenal. And then you look at all the other aspects of it, of you not having to play him two times this year. Um, and say you're going to be playing Geno Smith or Drew Locke. That's way different. That is way, way, way different. So I, I-, I do think it makes a lot more sense. Um, you brought up Trey Sermon as well. I mean – Trey Sermon. I mean, we we you were talking about the the running backs in, in the Kyle Shanahan era. Dude, so you paid so Kyle and, and the Niners paid Jet McKinnon, Kevin Coleman. Underwhelmed. Then they drafted Joe Williams, Trey Sermon, bust, third and fourth round. Like, I mean, they are busts because like I know usually busts are first rounders, but like you didn't get anything out of them. You basically got Trey Sermon scoring a touchdown against the Packers on Sunday night football, um, on a nice little little cut. And that was about all of, all of Trey Sermon's uh, impact in San Francisco, unfortunately. But this was a surprising one just because he was a third rounder last year. Um, but it kind of goes to show how good the 49ers are at, at getting running backs late. Um, and it also makes you a little bit concerned about, uh, about Davis price, because it's like, dude, every time you guys draft a running back early, he hasn't been good. And then it almost feels um, like the undrafted dude, Jordan Mason, might be better than Davis Price. Like, it's still early, of course, but like some of the hype is kind of showing that where you got Mitchell, you got Jeff Wilson. Like, three of the guys were basically, I, I don't remember if Wilson was drafted. I believe he was undrafted, but that would be three of the guys were undrafted. Like, 
or I guess Mitchell was a six rounder, like late to undrafted, right? So it, it that one's just a big blow just when you look at it because it's like, and I'm, I'm sure if we go back and look in that draft, there's probably like five guys picked like right after him that are like complete studs where it's like, oh, like this is bad. But I, I think like, I, I always liked the talent of Trey Sermon. It just seemed like he could, it wasn't really a fit for this squad. Like I think that they had a great idea for how they're going to use him. Um, but Trey Sermon had kind of had some off the field issues, not in terms of like, discipline stuff but in terms of just like missed assignments not knowing the playbook stuff like that I mean he failed out of school because of grades so like I think it was more about that and you we've heard players talk about how like demanding it is from a mental standpoint to be in Kyle's offense and I just I don't think I don't know if he could really hang with that and I think that's I mean you heard Kyle talk about him they asked Kyle after one of the preseason games like how do he look he's like well you saw you saw the production and like ripped him completely ripped him so I think that Kyle was really disappointed in, in how Trey Sermon looked um, I do wish him the best of luck. I thought he was – I was really stoked when he, when they took him just because he's a very talented running back. Um, but it just didn't work out. And I think that we could kind of all see the writing on the wall as training camp was going on. Like, hey, Trey Sermon might get cut. And then he made the 53-man. You're like, oh, look, he made it. And then they go and they they scoop a, the, they scoop the Browns guard um, and basically went, and went that route instead, which does make a lot of sense. So still looking at this 53-man roster what would you say are the two biggest strengths of the roster and the two biggest weaknesses of the roster? Two biggest strengths. Uh, we've, we've talked about it. I think quarterback is, is one um, went from having, I mean, I think Jimmy is a capable starter, but I think he's a average starter at, at best. Uh, I think he is a starting quarterback in this league, but he's not a whole lot better than 15 to 20. Uh, so you have him as your backup. Uh, makes that that quarterback room substantially better. Uh, I love I love the running backs, uh, but honestly, corner. I think corner is a went from probably the worst uh, spot on this team last year uh, to if Verrett comes back, you have a three headed monster um, and some uh, like Demo looked Demo Lenore looked really good in those last two games of the preseason from uh, what I've I've read. And even though Ambry Thomas has taken a bit of a step back this year, he was so good during the stretch last year that if he gets the the confidence back, I think he could be capable. Uh, and Samuel Womack was the star of, of the first preseason game, could be in, in line to be the starting nickel. Um, I think that they completely shifted the outlook uh, of, of that room from this time last year when we were like, Ugh, how are we looking at corner? To now, I think that that's one of the deepest units, uh, not just on on this team, uh, but probably in the entire NFC and the the whole league. Um, you have some very capable guys that you can throw out there, uh, which I think could be deadly with how good this this pass rush is is going to be. Uh, and it's crazy that I just chose the the corners over the D line, uh, but we only ended up keeping nine. Uh, there was some projections that we could keep eleven. Uh, the fact that we were able to keep a couple of those guys that I think are 53 man guys like Kimoko Ture, keep him on, on the practice squad. Um, like that, that unit is so, so good. Um, but I'm, I'm more want to focus on how much they improved that, that cornerback room from this time last year. And that's honestly been one of the most impressive things, uh, that, that this front office has, has done, um, in their their time there uh given how much of a weakness it was last year in terms of weaknesses offensive line if trent williams goes down obviously he's a, i think he's better than than the 14th best player in in the nfl i think he's a top five player obviously whenever you're going to lose a, a a top five player your your unit's going to go down but if trent williams goes down he makes everybody around him so much better that becomes a bottom tier offensive line aaron banks hasn't started a game ever you lose Lakin. Jake Brendel is a major question mark at center, and center is asked to do a lot in in Shanahan's scheme. Um, apparently, the right guard situation has sort of figured itself out with with Burford, and I like that Brunskill is kind of that do it all first guy off off the bench, but like that's not confirmed good. So if Trent goes down, like that offensive line becomes extremely questionable. Um, and I think you could say the same thing about w w wide receiver. Uh, we both think Ayuk is going to have a crazy year. I, I assume uh, he had such a good training camp and seems to have taken another step. Um, but we haven't seen it for a full year. And Debo always is missing games with injuries. Juwan Jennings really underwhelmed um, this, this, this training camp. But 
Danny Gray's been been good. Um, I would just say those those are the main two weaknesses I see just because of one major injury. Obviously, those are some of your best players, uh, but it kind of cripples um, the wide receiver room if Debo or Ayuk goes down because that's just less for Lance to really deal with. And as an inexperienced quarterback, um, that's probably not the best case scenario. So, um, I, I mean, obviously never want to, um, I guess, approach it as if this guy goes down, there's not a whole lot you can do about that. But um, I think that that also speaks to how, how good the, the Niners have filled out this, this roster. I don't see any glaring holes, um, but those are the main two that I see. Yeah, and, and I'll start with, you know, some of the strengths, and I'll get into some of the weaknesses, pretty much the same weaknesses that, that you're bringing up. There's one other that I'll bring up as well. Um, but in terms of the strengths, you talked about the cornerback room. Last year, Drake Kirkpatrick and Josh Norman were starting games. This year, you're starting to and, – and I get E-Man was there last year, but E-Man looks like he's just got better and better every single year where, dude, he's I believe he's a free agent after this season. He's going to get paid. He is a good corner. Like – I remember in 2019 when he came onto the scene, it was like, hey, this guy's pretty solid. Like he could be a, he would be like a perfect cornerback for. That's what my thought was. No, dude, he is a legit starting corner in the NFL. It, it, he has really turned on and become a great player. Um, Mooney Ward, Traverius Ward, however, I, I believe he changed his name. Um, he's, I, I liked his film a lot. Last year was his best season, so he's coming off his best year. Um, very, very talented player. Um, and then the the guy in the nickel, Sam Samuel Walmack. Um, he was, you know, like the preseason star, I guess you could say. Um, but that would probably be the biggest question mark is that nickel spot. But you brought up if Jason Verrett is healthy, dude, they can run man way more than they've ever run man. And if you guys remember that 2020 season um, in the back half of the year where we got to see good Akello, because that was always the thing, which Akello are you going to see, good Akello or bad Akello? But when Akello was balling at the end of that 2020 year, he and Jason Verrett, were really good in man. Like they, that was one of the best parts of the defense is that they could just man up with anyone. They were manning up with Hopkins late in the year. Um, they had a couple really, really big performances. So those guys were really good in terms of man coverage. And D'Amico was able to, you know, adjust the defense um, a lot last year too, where they were running more man. So I find it really interesting how much, how much, much better this cornerback room is this season compared to last year because last year. It was very obviously the problem. The Niners' defense was still really good, but they had – I mean, you remember those first, like, eight weeks of the year when it felt like the Niners were not going to be a playoff team, and it felt like, okay, what can we blame? Maybe we could blame Jimmy Garoppolo a little bit, but it was more like, no, the Niners' corners are the worst corners in the league. This is the worst DB room, like, and it just felt so bad. This year doesn't feel like that at all. So, so big upgrades there. Um, you brought up D-line as well as a strength. D-line's always going to be this team's strength. I mean, the amount of capital that, they, that they've been putting into it, Drake Jackson as a pick, I, I haven't talked to you about it too much, but Drake Jackson is going to be an, an absolute monster this year. He he should finish the season with eight sacks. That's what my take is. I think that that's, and that, I know that's a, that's kind of a bold statement to make. He's going to go one-on-one on third down, probably as much as any depth defensive lineman there is in the league. Like he's going to be a pass rushing specialist and he is going to terrorize opposing offensive lines. Whoever's at that left or right tackle spot and wherever he's lined up on third down, it's going to be scary for that guy because it's going to be a one-on-one matchup every time when you look at the Niners D line. Um, And then you look at some of the other guys, dude, the last guy in the depth chart right now is Kerry Hyder. When he was last on the 49ers, he led the team in this in sacks. Um, and he can play both inside and outside. You have Eric Armstead that can play both in, inside and outside. Uh, Javon Kinlaw's looked really good. People have been really excited about him. And he was probably the guy that I would red flag the most um, in terms of like a starter. And everything's been really positive from him. So you have – your starters are really good. You, you have five guys, I think, that are really legit defensive linemen. And then you have a bunch of these backups that we know that Chris Kasurik is going to just turn into like really solid difference makers. Um, Hassan Ridgeway was a solid pickup. Uh, Kevin Givens has been pretty solid for the Niners as well. Like there's just so many guys um, where it's like, yeah, we just know that everyone's going to produce. We saw that last year. Charles Amenahu looked really good. Jordan Willis looked really good. Had, you know, maybe the biggest play of the 49ers season. So all these guys are going to be impact players and the Niners have five guys that I feel super confident as like starting caliber players there. Um, and then I think you brought up quarterback. I think you could bring up running back as well, just as like 
similar corner where like last year, early on in the year, there was like no one at running back. And that's why Debo ended up kind of taking on that role because it was just Eliza, Elijah Mitchell for quite some time last year. Um, you do have a lot more uh, depth in the running back room. Uh, Mason, uh, Prince, uh, Davis Prince, you know, those guys like they're, they're third and fourth string backs. And you got Jeff Wilson and Elijah Mitchell at one and two. So pretty deep running back room. We know that's been an emphasis for, for Kyle Shanahan teams just because a lot of those guys do go down. Running backs just get hurt a lot. Um, so, yeah, I think those are the biggest strengths of this team. You brought up the weakness. I'll, I'll talk about wide receiver first because I don't really think it's a weakness in terms of the starters or anything. Um, but in terms of depth, you only kept five wide receivers, which I think is more of a sign of you're going to want to run the football a lot this season. They're planning to use a lot more heavy personnel um, and kind of approach it a little bit differently than last season looked. Uh, but in terms of wideouts, I think Danny Gray is super intriguing just because we've seen Debo Samuel hit. We've seen Brandon Ayuk hit. And I know Brandon Ayuk was a first rounder, but it's kind of like that second group of wideouts. Danny Gray was maybe like the third group of wideout, but he looked really good. Like he looked really good when he was on the field. Um, he is, he can absolutely fly. So it's a little bit a uh, different dynamic than what we've seen. And especially what we've seen of, that third wide receiver role with Jawan Jennings and Kendrick Bourne in the past where they're more possession receivers over the middle. They're taking more shots this year and Danny Gray is going to be on the field a lot. So I'm, I'm very intrigued by him. Um, the biggest weakness on this team, I, I don't really think it's a debate. I think it's the offensive line and more specifically the interior offensive line. You are banking on three guys to basically like become your starters to become legit players. Aaron Banks. I mean, Everything's been positive this year, but last year's reports still kind of have me a little bit scared because it was like, hey, this guy looks horrible. This guy looks like completely overmatched. Now, we see that a lot with with uh, NFL offensive linemen in that first season, that rookie year. So if he's ta taking a big step, that will be huge. But then we got Jake Brendel, Spencer Burford, and I know that there's been a lot of like positive stuff coming from those guys, but I want to see it a little bit first uh, against, you know, because – if you guys remember, we do play Aaron Donald uh, twice a year. So that's terrifying. Um, that's absolutely terrifying. No other way to put it. So a couple injuries, and it could look a, a, like a lot more scary for this offensive line. Um, but I don't know, man. That's like the biggest kind of concern I have. Um, safety. Safety is also a room. Tarverius Moore is going to be starting. Talanoa Hufunga is going to be starting. I like both those guys. Those, that's a significant downgrade from having Jimmy Ward and Kwaski Tart last year. And I don't think Kwaski Tart is like a crazy player. He got cut. Um, but that's like a big time downgrade. So Jimmy Ward's health is going to be really important here. Um, I do like Odom a lot. I thought Odom was potentially going to start at, at strong. But that's a little sus too. So the back end is a little bit scary. Now the good thing is we already brought up the cornerback room as a strength. So very positives there. But I, I think those are probably my two biggest weaknesses. Um, we didn't really talk about linebackers. Didn't really talk about, I guess that's kind of the only thing we didn't talk about. I mean, linebackers pretty obvious. You, you got your three guys there. You got a couple of depth pieces, but you're very confident in those, in those three guys. Um, but yeah, I think that's probably all I have on the 53 man, just looking at it from like kind of preseason prediction standpoint, uh, post roster cuts, but anything else you want to, you want to talk about on the 53 man? I just want to give a quick shout out to Aaron Banks and Javon Kinlaw. Those are guys who caught a ton of flack last year and this off season, but everything coming out of camp is that those two guys had tremendous off seasons. Um, and I feel really confident about Aaron Banks going into this year, given how easily the uh, Niners let Lakin walk. Um, I think that that's something that shows a lot of confidence in him. Uh, and you've seen people talk about, I think Trent had a quote where he was like, he completely, Aaron Banks completely transformed his body a uh, lot, lot lighter on his feet. And when, when he was drafted, people were surprised because he doesn't fit that stereotypical Kyle Shanahan zone run mold. He was much too big, uh, but he's slimmed down substantially. Uh, he's moving a lot better. He's light on his feet. Um, and next to Trent Williams, I think that makes your job a little bit easier. He's back to the left guard position. People were kind of penciling him in last year as, as that right guard, uh, but he played left guard primarily in, in college. Um, so he's back to his natural spot. Um, I feel really good about him. And Kinlaw obviously had uh, some, some controversy this, this off season, but uh, ever since uh, that he's really locked it down. I haven't really seen anything negative about him since um, and the, the reports are the, he's, he's just a really, really solid defensive lineman. 
um, that I think is just going to eat up double teams in the middle. He's so, so big. Um, and I think he's, he's going to make the entire D lines, uh, life much easier, specifically Eric Armstead. Um, cause when you have two capable guys on the inside, um, it's, it's just so hard for those interior offensive linemen to deal with them. And, uh, we, we talked about a little bit before the show, uh, Chris Kacarek is so cr- creative with his stunts and stuff like that. I, I think Ken Law is going to have a really, really good year. He looked really good during, during the preseason as well. Um, those, that's, that's just what I, I wanted to highlight two guys who, um, caught a lot of negativity last year, um, who I think are going to be very, very important pieces of this team this year. Um, and over the next few years. You know, I like that you bring those guys up because both of them, even if they look really good, are probably not going to get the credit throughout the duration of the season. If Aaron Banks is a stud, that is so massive for the Niners because they can just go, you know, we're just going to run the ball to the left all the time. And you're not going to be able to stop it. You can know we're going to run the ball to the left. If he's good and you have Trent Williams there, that's, I mean, we saw that last year with Lakin. Um, so I think that's a huge one. And like like you were saying, uh, I think another guy to kind of bring up on the O-line too in like a similar like getting like a lot of hype and a lot of praise from Trent Williams is uh, Burford um, because I, Burford was the guy, right? It's not Brenda. It was Burford that worked with uh, Trent in the offseason. Yeah, you saw the move, yeah. uh, the Trent Williams move where he like kind of pulls the guys forward and then just throws them on the ground. We saw Burford do that in preseason. Um, so that was a little bit exciting. I, got, I was pretty hyped when I saw that just because like, oh, the classic Trent Williams move right there. Um, so that's another guy too. But let's say Aaron Banks is amazing. Niner fans will know. The rest of the NFL is not going to know. The rest of the NFL is not going to think about, well, you know, heading into the, the season, their interior offensive line was the biggest question mark. If he's good, like all of a sudden, all right, that's at least one of those spots that's locked down. So that could be huge. And, and he's a second round pick. Um, so the, the ability for him to kind of transform his body into this role, um, into the, to work in this offense, um, and to play a specific role is, is super crucial. And also Javon Kinlaw. Javon Kinlaw might be a complete monster, and he's still going to get slept on. He's still going to get hated on a little bit just because he did get traded straight up for DeForest Buckner in terms of those picks. Obviously, the Niners were never expecting him to be DeForest Buckner. But if he can be a guy that – it's not going to be about, about the numbers. It's going to be about him commanding double teams and him blowing up the middle so the guys around him are going to produce. Um, and we will be able to see that from a film standpoint, but you might not see it from a number standpoint. And, and Javon Kinlaw still might be a huge piece for this uh, defense. So – I think those are really important guys to bring up as well. Um, let's talk about Trey Lance a little bit. I feel like Trey Lance, uh, we, we've we always liked talk, talking about Trey Lance. I mean, we were hyping him up in the in the pre-draft process. I was so excited when he was drafted. I actually popped a bottle of champagne because I remember like in like December, I was just watching his tape going, dude, if somehow the Niners could get this guy, he is a perfect scheme fit. I, I loved his tape. I Obviously, he's super raw. But I was just, I'd always think like, man, this is the perfect guy that you could go after. And then the Niners trade up and go and take him, which I was never expecting to actually happen. It was more of just like, oh yeah, like my dream would be to add Trey Lance to this offense. They do it. Now, Trey Lance comes in rookie year, has the finger injury. You know, he's what, 21, 22 as a rookie. And he's raw. Of course he's going to be raw. He's, I think they, someone took his passing attempts and it was, his career passing attempts, high school, college, and NFL so far, are less than like Brady's overall passing attempts from last season. So let's keep that in mind when we're evaluating Trey Lance. Um, he's not going to come in and be the Josh Allen that we saw last year because that's always the comp to Trey Lance, Josh Allen, Josh Allen. He's not going to be you know, the guy that Josh Allen was in year three this season. I don't believe so. However, everyone's just been ripping him. Like, Oh, he can't do this. His practice completion percentage is under 50%. Guys, his practice completion percentage doesn't matter at all. Like, I'm going to be frank with you guys. They're not running the little handoff. Sorry about the, the sirens. They're not running the little handoff right down, like, in the middle um, where they're going to flip the ball to Debo and he's going to get credit with the completion. They're not running a lot of screens in practice. What are they doing? They're taking shots downfield. Kyle's not looking at it going, I wonder what uh, – Trey Lance's completion percentages. You know why? Because it's going to go 15 to 20% in a game scenario because he's going to get all of those gimmies. What I've seen from Trey Lance's offseason is a guy whose motion looks way more fluid, who looks really poised, not playing super fast, but he's not playing reckless. He is ahead of schedule, in my opinion, of what I was expecting. I was expecting him to kind of just be like airmailing balls a lot, you know, skipping balls in the dirt. 
Um, but from his preseason tape, and it's not that much, it's not that much preseason tape, when he's missing, he's not missing in a bad way. There was a play where he missed the ball. I, I forgot who the receiver was. I think it might have been Jawan Jennings. He ran a dig route, and Trey was on the run, and he throws the ball, and he skips it in front of him. But he threw it exactly where he was trying to throw the ball. He was trying to throw it low and inside where no defender was getting it because there were three defenders closing on him, and he was on the run with an edge with a guy on the edge chasing him down. If you're going to miss, that's exactly how you're supposed to miss. That's the other thing. Um, we've seen him t- hit a couple guys on the outside. Um, you immediately see that that shot ability where he hit Danny Gray for the big touchdown. Like He is way better than I thought he was going to look right now. Um, does that mean that he's going to turn into a superstar quarterback? No, it doesn't mean that. But in terms of what I was kind of expecting to see from him in terms of his motion, in terms of that kind of stuff, it's a lot better than what I thought it was going to be. So I'm super pumped with Trey Lance. I think the Trey Lance slander at this point is absolutely ridiculous. I don't understand it at all. I don't get why people are like what they're expecting from him. Like this is a guy that is so raw, one of the rawest quarterbacks to ever enter the NFL. And we have like the expectation that he's going to come out there just like slice it and dice in every team. Um, It's going to take some time. It's going to take some time. We're going to need to be patient. Um, and even with that said, I still think the Niners are going to be good with him at, as a starting quarterback this year. So that's where I'm at with Trey Lance. How are you feeling, Aiden? I'm in the exact same spot you are. Uh, as as you were talking, I just Googled Patrick Mahomes practice completion percentage. And one of the first links is an article from 2018, right before Mahomes took over. And the title of, of the article is, Patrick Mahomes throws interceptions in every drill, completing less than 50% of his passes in, in, in practice. So what, what are we doing guys? Come on. If, if Patrick Mahomes who during that first year as a starter came out and threw what 50 touchdowns had almost the best first season as a, as a quarterback ever has that put out about him the year before he, or the, the off season before he's about to start like Lance doesn't need the, the, the bar for Lance is so high, and I don't really understand why. It's so much higher than what Jimmy was last year. It's so much higher than what's reasonable. He doesn't, like, pull up Josh Allen's uh, first first season as a starter. He had more interceptions than, than, than touchdowns and barely threw for 2,000 yards. And guess what? Bills made the playoffs. Like, he doesn't need to be that good. I think if Lance throws for 3,000 yards, 20 touchdowns, 10 picks, that's a positive season, and I think the Niners make the playoffs. Um, and he, like he, the the weapons are so good around him. Kyle is such a good play caller. I think we're gonna run the snot out of the ball. Um, I think Debo is gonna get more carries than people expect, given that he has all those incentives in his contract. Um, I would just like he's the the Niners are are going to be good regardless of whether Trey Lance is good. Um, and he doesn't he can't be horrible, obviously. Um, but I think as long as he is a capable starter and it's not like Jimmy was lighting the world on fire. It's not like he's Jordan love and has to take over for Aaron Rodgers. Like he's, he just needs to be a serviceable starter. And we, we talked about this again, a little bit before the show there, the Niners are in an interesting kind of seesaw where they want to maximize what's left of Trent, Trent Williams. But he's really the only dude on this offense who's super like who's who's nearing the end of his career. Everybody else is still ascending. So I would argue that this could be the worst the 49ers offense is over the next five to ten years. Um, as as Lance continues to grow, and maybe, maybe he he busts, maybe he's no good. But to have this expectation of him, he needs to be a pro bowler his his first year, he needs to throw for four thousand yards and thirty touchdowns. That's just not realistic. Um, I think, and, and it's not needed for the Niners to be a playoff team and to be a Super Bowl contender. Um, I think that they're going to run the ball, they're going to play good defense, and they're going to make his job easy. Um, and he's going to have games where he doesn't look awesome, but he's going to make throws. You're going to you're going to see flashes where you're like, that guy has it. Um, and to kind of close it out, I was I was watching the NFL Top 100 kind of reveal show, uh, and Josh Allen uh, I think was number 13 or something like that. Um, and I think it's Cameron Jordan uh, is, is talking about Josh Allen and is like, what you want in, in the league right now is a big bodied quarterback who can make every throw and who can move. Like that's, that's what everybody's looking for. And the Niners have that. We, we need to see if he can put everything together, but he's just as good of a person off, off the field 
um, which I think will really, really help him. That's honestly Jimmy's. Jimmy has two main skills. He's a great guy, and he's awesome at QB sneaks. That is pretty much what he does amazing. Uh, and by all, all accounts, Lance is a fantastic guy. He's handled this difficult situation really, really well. Um, teammates seem to really, really like him. He has a great relationship with Ayuk specifically. Um, like, I, I, I don't think he, he busts. Maybe he, he, he never turns into Josh Allen. But the, I, I think it's a 90% chance that he can be Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, that's not a, a crazy high window. Obviously, they're, they're swinging for the home run um, and hope, hope that you get a top five guy at that position. But worst case, I think you hit a double. I think he's a c- capable starter uh, this year. And j- just like you said, he's he's raw, but he doesn't need to be that good this year. I think people it, – it, it really baffles me. And I don't know if it's because the 49ers have had such good and interesting quarterbacks over the years. Or, I mean, I think race plays some sort of role in, in all of this. Uh, you, you see Lamar, Kyler, those guys get slandered a little bit more than – some other like Herbert is the second coming of Tom Brady, according to some people. But like, dude hasn't even made the playoffs yet. Let's let's yeah, calm down Herbert's, a little bit. Herbert will be the second coming of Tom Brady, and Lamar Jackson shouldn't even be a starting quarterback at the same time. Yeah, and and Lamar is the one that's an MVP, and Herbert hasn't made the playoffs. I I I I, I think Herbert's really good. I think he's horribly overrated. Um, but it's it's so so interesting to me. And I'm so excited uh, to watch Lance shut some people up, um, which it, it may not even be this year. Like he, he, the, the 49ers may win in spite of him this year. Um, but I think over the next five years, people are, are, are going to understand why Kyle gave up that, that draft capital to go and get him. And we, we, we talked about it. We've whiffed on a third and a fourth round running back, but it doesn't matter. We, we picked up capable guys instead in the undrafted sixth round range. Like, as long as you get capable starters every draft, doesn't matter where you you get them. You're you're gonna miss on fifty percent of your picks anyway. The best GMs miss on fifty percent. The the Patriots draft record is awful. It's so bad, but they're good every year regardless because they find guys that other people discard. Um, so I'm I'm just really excited to to watch Trey this year. Uh, but people need to tone it down a little bit. Goodness. Dude, and, and one of the things you're talking about is you brought up that stat line. 3,000 yards, 20 touchdowns, 10 picks. That's what Josh Allen has in his second year as a starter. And that was a big jump. And then the next and, – and keep in mind, the, another big difference, too, between, like, the Josh Allen situation um, and the Trey Lance situation is that Josh Allen didn't have weapons. Um, and then if you throw in, like – and then let's look at it, like, let's add in Herbert and Mahomes. Like, as, like, the, the best young quarterbacks, right, of, like, the guys that people are talking about that – I, and I think Trey Lance is going to be different than all these guys. So that's why I don't really love like the comps of everyone, but like for situation, what is his situation most like? It's most like Mahomes in terms of coming in with two legit guys, like in terms of Kittle and Debo, and then in terms of Tyreek and Travis Kelsey. And then like, I mean, I think the Niners offense is better because they run the ball more. Um, and they also have Brandon Ayuk. So like, I think he's even coming into a better situation there, but Let's talk about another guy that, that gets you know so much love that he's going to be like an all time great. Joe Burrow, he gets all all the the love in the world, right? And I like Joe Burrow a lot. I think Joe Burrow is a sweet guy. I think a lot of it also is just that Joe Burrow is just cool. That's the other thing. It's like he's awesome. Joe Burrow is also twenty five years old. Trey Lance is twenty two years old. If Trey Lance is not good for the next three years, he's he's going to get more slander than like anyone ever. <laughs> But also, like, why wouldn't he be able to make that jump that Joe Burrow did that that final year, that 25 season? Or I guess 24 season, technically, for Joe Burrow. Trey Lance is so much younger than everyone else. Where If Trey Lance throws for 3,000 yards, 20 touchdowns, and 10 picks, that should be seen as, oh, my God, the sky is the limit for this guy. And I feel like the narrative will be, it's not good enough. And it will be him at 22 years old putting up Solid, a solid season. They will win a lot of games if he throws for 3,000 yards, 20 touchdowns, and 10 picks. I think he's going to do that. I think that is like, I don't want to say the floor, because I guess the floor could be lower, but like a reasonable floor, I should say, like kind of like the median floor, I would put it around there. Like that should be like a decent season for him. I think he can be better than that. 
I think he can throw for 3,500 yards, 25 touchdowns, and 10 picks. That would be phenomenal. That would be absolutely phenomenal. Um, so I think that the pressure is kind of getting a little bit out of hand. I think that he's he's just a guy like he's 22. He doesn't need to be a superstar this year to turn out to to end up being a superstar quarterback in the NFL. So I think you're absolutely right when we're, when we're talking about him as like, you know, like it's, it's a lot of weird stuff that, that how people kind of perceive quarterbacks. But I think it's going to be strange with him too, just because of the lack of experience. But I'm super pumped. Um, final thing I want to bring up with him though is, and this is something that I think that is just really cool to see is that I talk about how young he is. I'm really fascinated to see what that poise looks like throughout the season. Is he, you know, really smart? Is he making those pre-snap reads? Because you brought up stuff about Jimmy Garoppolo. I think one of Jimmy Garoppolo's best traits is that he was phenomenal at pre-snap reads. He would be able to, 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 to determine, okay, this linebacker's blitzing. Let's change into this call. Let's check into this. You saw that, you know, Jimmy always goes like that. If Trey Lance is just good at doing that, that's going to mean so much for this team. Like, it's little stuff like that that's probably not going to be able to, like, be seen that well. But Trey Lance is an extremely intelligent person. And if he's able to do those little things, this team is going to win. He doesn't need to play, you know, Patrick Mahomes' first first year level football. He doesn't need to. But if he's just able to make those small things, to make those reads, to make those pre snap reads in the Kyle Shannon offense, he will find success. So I'm pumped, man. I, I don't understand why the expectations are, are even low to begin with. Um, but this guy's a limit for Trey Lance. And I think that this year we're going to see him play well. And I don't think it's going to be close to what we see, you know, a couple years down the road when he's actually had experience as a quarterback he doesn't have that much experience so um i think they're gonna rock with him all year and i'm super pumped to see how it looks um, i think that you're right in terms of you talking about the offense this could be the worst offense or i guess maybe not the worst offense just because there are some great players um we don't know how long trent williams is going to be there but for trey lance it might be the worst he looks over the next five years just because he needs to have that year under his belt but i, I i'm pumped for it but final topic for today want to talk about the NFC kind of playoff predictions, uh, a little bit about what the NFC could shape out to be. Because if you look at the NFC compared to the AFC, not even close. The AFC is so much better. Um, And I think that's why we have these high expectations for the 49ers, because you look around the league and you go, okay, who are the top dogs in the NFC? I think you can say the Buccaneers with a lot of confidence. I think, of course, you can say the Rams with a lot of confidence. I think it stops after there. I think those are your tier one teams. And I think you have a, bunch of other teams kind of vying for the spots below. And let's not let's not forget to mention the Bucks and the Rams are already dealing with a bunch of injury problems. So they, like a couple injuries from both those teams and like okay, it looks a lot different the landscape of the NFC, but Aiden, if you were going to kind of go through all of the NFC teams, who do you think are the playoff contenders and then who would be like the the teams that you are are slotting to win each division and then kind of your wild card teams? Yeah. Um, I guess I'll just go through each each division uh, and talk about each team really, really quickly. I think the Bears are going to be horrible. Um, I think Fields is in a horrible situation, um, and he's really been dealt. Darnell Mooney as his only real receiver. Uh, horrible offensive line. Coaching staff is uh, questionable at, at, at best. Um so I think they're going to be horrible. Lions, I think, will take a step forward. I like Dan Campbell. Uh, if if you watch Hard Knocks, it's hard not to root for them. Uh, I think that they're going to surprise some people. They'll win seven games. They'll they'll take a step forward. And once they figure out quarterback, um, that could be a, a team on, on the rise. Uh, I think the Packers take a bit of a step back, but I think they still win that division. I never want to bet against Aaron Rodgers. He's been throwing to um, Alan Lazard and – Romeo dubs this 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 offseason but um I think he's he's still gonna pull it off uh but I think the Vikings will make the playoffs as a wild card team um I think they'll take a bit of a step forward and they they could win that that division over the Packers but I never want to bet against Aaron Rodgers so I'd say that the NFC North has two playoff teams the Packers and the the, the Vikings um Cowboys are going to be solid again they're able to keep both both coordinators which I think was big for them given that Mike McCarthy is um not perfect as a head coach. So to keep both the offensive coordinator and, and defensive coordinator, I think is important for them. I think they're going to be fine. Uh, Giants going to rebuild. I think Saquon's going to have a good year, but um, the rest of that roster is not awesome. 
Uh, Eagles, Jalen Hurts is another guy who gets slandered, I think, a little bit too much. Um, he had a really good year last year, sort of quietly, but the Eagles are still thinking about moving on. And he's been like exactly who you thought he he was. He's improved every year. Um, and he's not perfect, but uh, he's a capable starter. He'll make the playoffs. I could see them as another wildcard team uh, where the Cowboys uh, make the playoffs and the Eagles are a wildcard. Um, commanders, eh. I mean, I, I think Sam Howell starts for them by probably week eight. Um, I don't think Wentz is fantastic and Howell looked really good during, during the preseason and they have a rough first start to their schedule. So if they start two and five, you're not going to want to turn the keys over to Heineke. You're going to see what, what you got in this rookie. Um, so I think that could, I mean, that's, it's for, for them, it's a sort of see what, what they got here. Um, but I don't think they're going to be awesome. Falcons. Um, moving on to the NFC South, it just sucks to be the the Falcons right now. I, I can't believe that Ridley got a full year suspension and Watson only gets 11 games. That's ridiculous. Um, but they have a lot of holes. Uh, defense is bad. Um, and Mariota, I guess this is his last opportunity to prove that he's a capable starter, but he's got Desmond Ritter breathing down his neck. A lot of people are are high on, on him. I don't think they're going to be that good. Um, but the NFC South, the other three teams, I think are all going to be solid. Um, I think the Panthers are going to surprise some people this year. Um, they have a quietly a pretty decent defense. Uh, they've been almost, a t- I think they've been a top 10 defense for the past two, three years. Uh, and with a horrible offense, um, that's pretty impressive. So if McCaffrey stays healthy, obviously that's a big if. Um, and if Baker just plays solid quarterback play, I could see them sneaking into the playoffs as a wild card team. Um, Saints, I think, are in a very similar boat. Winston needs to show that he can do it. But again, if Michael Thomas is is healthy, and I like Chris Olave a lot, they have weapons. Kamara, uh, I don't think he's going to get suspended. It's kind of weird, but I don't think he's going to get suspended. Um, they have a good offense. I don't really know what to expect from Dennis Allen in terms of changes in offensive scheme. Um, obviously, with Sean Payton gone, that offense is going to change. But their, their defense was pretty good last year. Um, I think that they'll be solid again. I think that they'll be a, a tough out. Um, the Bucks. I don't expect the Bucks to be as good this year as they were in the over the past couple years. Uh, I think Brady's still going to get his, but they have major, major question marks up, up front um, in, in terms of offensive line. Uh, they already lost Ryan Jensen for the year, I think. Uh, their starting center, who did a ton of stuff for them. Uh, I think they let a, another starter go in free agency to the Bengals. Um, but like they have some question marks up front. And when you have a 45 year old quarterback, that's not where you want to have question marks. So uh, they'll, they'll be solid. They'll, they'll, they'll make the playoffs, but um, I don't think that they're going to be world world beaters. Like, like they were over the past couple years, Cardinals moving on the NFC West. Goodness. I don't know what to say. Like, you you give Kyler Murray this giant contract, which you kind of had to do, but it just gets blown out of proportion and you get a ton of backlash about he doesn't study the playbook and you put a clause in there. It just looks weird. Kingsbury, I don't like it all. I don't think he's a starting or I don't I don't think that he's a head coach in in the the league. I think he'd be really good as an OC. Um, but I just don't don't trust them at all. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see their their hard knocks uh, in in-season portion, uh, and I think Hopkins being suspended for, what, the first six weeks is going to hurt them, uh, and they're going to they've, – they've always been a fast starter and fall apart down down the stretch team, but w- without Hopkins, I think they could start slow and finish slow. Um, so I don't think they're going to be fantastic, uh, but, I mean, they have so many weapons. I think uh, they'll win eight, nine games, but mm, I'm, I'm not expecting them to really, really compete for the playoffs. Rams, the Stafford stuff is weird. The shoulder stuff is weird. The elbow, um, it's it's just very strange. And if, and if he goes down, they quietly lost a lot of pieces on the offensive line and on the defense. Um, Aaron Donald could be getting suspended for smacking that, that dude with a helmet in his hand. Again, very, very strange. Um, so, like... I the they they are the defending world champions. They beat the Niners in in the playoffs last year. 
So I can't say that that the Niners are definitively better, but a lot of weird stuff going on. And if the the Bucks and, and Rams are the two teams that um, were good last year and are good going into this year, they have major question marks. Uh, so do the Niners, obviously, quarterback, uh, chief among them. But the rest of the roster is so good. And we're going to run the ball, which I'm so excited for. Uh, and to sort of wrap it up, the Seahawks going to be really, really bad. Um, I think them and the Bears are probably the two worst teams in the league. Um, and they have – people are, are going to talk a lot about quarterback uh, and how they don't really have a stable quarterback, but they lost Bobby Wagner. And they still – I, I think they picked a, a running back in the second round. I don't really know what, what you're you're doing there. Even if Kenneth Walker's a hit, like you're gonna put him behind that horrible offensive line that Russell Wilson ran away from for the last five years. Um don't really understand that pick. I guess going best player available, but uh they're not gonna be really any good. And I think Pete Carroll is reaching kind of the end. Uh he's got two, three years left. And if th- if they don't hit on a quarterback soon, I could see him. Uh, leaving similar to how he did at USC where he kind of left a mess. I could see him doing that again. Um, so I guess to summarize, Packers, Vikings, Cowboys, Eagles, Panthers, Saints, Bucks, Rams, Niners are sort of your playoff contenders. Um, and there could be major surprises. Uh, obviously injuries can change a lot, but um, I'd say that the the Panthers are sort of that that sleeper team that I think their Vegas win total is six games. I could see them winning ten games. Um, I like the the over there, uh, but they obviously need a lot of things to go right. They need McCaffrey to stay healthy, and they need Baker to prove that uh, he's on a bit of a, of a revenge tour. Um, but I'd say that that's sort of my NFC takeaways. And the conference is not that good. If if the Niners are not a top three seed, I would be very very surprised. And and that would take, that would mean that they're winning the division too, which means that, that that'd be big. Um, but yeah, I mean, looking at looking at the overall NFC, I, I have basically the exact same teams as like as you do. I, I don't think I think the only other team that I would kind of add that you didn't mention right now, um, probably the Saints. But then the Saints just traded their their left tackle just is out for the season. Um, the rookie left tackle that they were going to kind of bank on. MT's a massive question mark. Kamara's been hurt in the last few years, and we don't know what the offense is going to look like without Sean Payton. Um, and then you go, okay, and then you just trade your top corner to another team that's going to be contending with you probably for a wild card spot. So the Saints are kind of in flux now. Um, it's not good, dude. The NFC is not good. So I went through and I picked, I picked my four division winners. Uh, I have Cowboys, Rams, Vikings, not super confident with that, um, and Bucks. So I'll go through each division and kind of see like what I'm looking at in terms of like, okay, who can actually like be a contender. Um, I'll start with the NFC East. I have the Cowboys there. Like I think the Cowboys honestly took a step back this offseason. I think losing Amari Cooper is a bigger deal than most people are letting on um, big time question marks with my, uh, with a uh, Gallup there. Um, but I still think they're probably the best team. Don't think they have the best roster. I'll tell you that right now. I think the Eagles have the best roster. and I don't really think it's close. The Eagles have built an absurd team but they have a limited quarterback still. They have an absurd team. They have an absurd roster. So I think the Eagles are a playoff team. I think you have two playoff teams here. I would not be surprised at all if the Eagles won the division. I'm just not. And I feel like Jalen hurts. It's so weird. Like, it's like, Oh, like how good is he? How good? Like, I feel like it's obvious. Like we know who Jalen hurts is and people like, there's so many like question marks and stuff. It's like, look, he doesn't have a lot of arm strength. Doesn't have a lot of arm talent. He's a dynamic runner. And he's a smart player. He's conserved with the ball. He doesn't really push it downfield. Um, the big reason why I like them to take a step up, and they made the playoffs last year too, but a big reason I like them to make to take a big step is that they have they're legit too deep at defensive line at every single position. Their their backup defensive line is probably a starting defensive line on half of the teams in the NFL. It is stupid deep. And then they add. Connor Johnson, who was one of the better corners in the league last year. He was awesome for the Saints for nothing. And then they had A.J. Brown. Dude, A.J. Brown, I just brought up like how Jalen Hurts is limited. If you were going to add any wide receiver, it would probably be maybe C.D. Lamb just because they have the, the chemistry there. But A.J. Brown running slants across the middle with Jalen Hurts and that run game and that offensive line, it's going to be dangerous. 
RPO, RPO galore right there for that team. I mean, they're going to run that so much. Um, if you're a linebacker, you have your work cut out for you every single week. So, I mean, as a Niner fan, I like the the matchup against the Niners, but and maybe like the Bucks too. But some of these teams that don't have strong linebackers are going to get shredded by the Eagles. It's going to be tough. Um, so I think you're a little bit limited at quarterback, but I think like you have like the best like guys around him for him to flourish. So I think they are a playoff team. I think you have two playoff teams there. Um, and then I'll go to the North. I mean, oh, okay. One other team. I want, I'll, I'll bring up the Giants and the Commanders real quick. I, I think the Commanders could be all right. I don't think Sam Howell is going to take over. I will tell you that, Aiden. I think that Wentz is okay. But Wentz could just get hurt. So then there's your option right there where Howell takes over. Um, the Commanders are, I think they could take a step forward. I don't know if they're quite there. I feel like they're like almost like a team that like, they'll be like in the hunt, but I don't know if they'll ever like really be that legit. Um, and then I kind of, I'm very intrigued to see what the giants look like, because I believe in like what they're kind of building in terms of their coaching staff and stuff. I thought Daniel Jones took a big step last year, but they're, they have all this money in receiver, but the guys can't stay healthy. Um, Kadarius Tony's not been healthy. Kenny Galladay's not been healthy. Like, okay, your offensive line sucks. And then you've lost a lot of your defensive pieces over the past couple of years, where a couple of years ago, they had a pretty solid defense. Um, so I'm not super sold on the Giants this year, but I do like them in like maybe like two to three years. I think they'll be a lot better. Um, so I don't really think they're gonna, those teams are going to be able to make that much of a noise. Maybe the Commanders, though. Um, in the North, the Bears are going to suck. I love Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields is going to be a great quarterback in the NFL. Why did the Bears pick him? Did they just not want him to have a good career? They're like, oh, we're going to take you. We're going to give you no offensive line, no weapons. You're going to be in the worst spot of like any quarterback that I can think of in a long time that's been drafted by it. I mean, maybe, I guess, Trevor Lawrence, right? Those are the two teams. Um, I have no idea why they took Justin Fields. They suck. They're terrible, and now they have a guy that I think is a really good quarterback, but we're not going to see him put up numbers. We're not going to see them win games. Um, the Lions, the Lions will take a step forward, but I don't think they're a playoff team. I think they might like flirt around like seven wins, eight wins, something like that. Um, Vikings, Vikings are stacked. Uh, their defense is old. That's the question mark there. They have some question marks among the offensive line. They have a few guys that are like younger interior offensive linemen. They're going to be starting for them. Um, but anytime you have an offense that has, I get that everyone hates Kirk cousins, but you have a solid quarterback in Kirk cousins. And it's like, okay, well, who does he have as a supporting cast? Oh, that's right. Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen and Dalvin cook. That's as good as it gets in terms of weapons. So I think that they should they should be able to make some noise. Could they miss the playoffs? Totally, but I think that they're like up there. Um, the Packers roster took a big hit losing Devontae Adams and a couple guys on defense. Um, but I still think that you know you have Aaron Rodgers, you're gonna be in the mix and you're gonna be playing the Bears twice a year, the Lions twice a year. Um, so that's probably four dubs right there. So I don't know. I, I think that the Packers may maybe take a step back, but I still think they're a playoff team. So two playoff teams in that division. Um, then I go to the NFC South. And probably, probably just one. The Falcons are, I think the Falcons are actually the worst team in the league. And I will say this, the Falcons should do everything they can to get the number one pick uh, to take Bryce Young because they're receivers next year. And I know this is going to be a hot take next year. They may have the best receiving core in the NFL. And I know they're good teams. You have Drake London, Kyle Pitts, and Calvin Ridley as your top three. That is, Calvin Ridley is your three. That's nuts. So I, I think that they're in full tank mode. I think they should just suck this year. Um, I don't have faith in Mariota, and especially that defense. The defense is so bad. Um, the Panthers, I think everything you said about the Panthers is accurate. In terms of over-under, absolutely pound the over. Christian McCaffrey has missed a lot of time, but, dude, he's he's one of the most dynamic players in the league. He's ridiculous. Um, you add Baker Mayfield in there. That's a significant upgrade. Um, you have some adjustments to your coaching staff. Um, Joe Brady last year could not hang in the NFL. That was very clear. Um, so I think you see big steps from them. I don't know if they make the playoffs, but they could be in the mix. Um, and then the Saints, I, I talked about them a little bit already. Like it's just, there's a lot of question marks all of a sudden where heading into the year, I was like, yeah, Saints are, Saints are number two in the division and they could kind of flirt with the Bucks for the number one spot but it's getting a little bit dicey there. So I, I want to see what it looked like. What does a roster look like week six or week eight? I think that'll kind of give you a, a better understanding. Cause last year they dude, last year, they would have made the playoffs over the Niners. If Jameis doesn't go down, it would, they would have ran away with it. It wouldn't have been close. Um, so big question marks there. And then the bucks, it's hard. Cause you look at parts of the roster. It's like, all right, you're going to have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, um, and Tom Brady. And 
Uncle Lenny, right? You got all these these stacked guys, and then the offensive line sucks. There's a couple of question marks in terms of defensive backs, but I think that they might be the number one seed still. Um, it's just it's just hard with some of the injuries that have kind of started to pile up for them in terms of their offensive line. Um, and then we go to the NFC West. So I'll say one playoff team from that division, but two kind of in the hunt. NFC West, I think you got the Rams and the Niners making the playoffs. I don't know who wins the division. I think that if the Rams were to take a step back, it would be it would be completely because of injury. But I could see it happening because they are thin. They do have question marks. Matthew Stafford has an elbow, like a pitching elbow injury. That is super, super scary for, for Rams fans. Um, and then the Niners, obviously, you have a, a first-year starter at quarterback, so that's the big red flag there. Still, those are two of the better overall rosters in the NFC. Um, so I'm having both of them make the playoffs. If the Cardinals can win in December, then yeah, they could be talked about. But until Cliff Kingsbury wins like two games after what is it, week twelve, I can't take them seriously. Like, I'm sorry, they had maybe the strangest off season of any team. Your your quarterback has a problem of playing Call of Duty. What? <laughs> you you don't hear that stuff. So I'm gonna have to sell their stock. But I also think that their roster got worse. They lost Chandler Jones, who is an amazing pass rusher. Um, I'm just not really sold on the Cardinals anymore. Like it's been too many years of like, oh, this is, this is their year. This is their year. They're going to be okay. They're going to be good early on in the season, and they're probably going to fall off. And injuries are going to hurt them a lot because they're also quite a bit of an older team. They don't have DeAndre Hopkins for the first eight games. Like, so not the best. I think they're around a 500 team. That's kind of another team in the hunt. And then you brought the Seahawks. The Seahawks suck. I mean, the Seahawks are going to be terrible. Um, unless I mean, I saw some people saying like, oh, they're going to be able to run the ball. They're going to be able to do this. I don't think we're understanding how big of a difference Russell Wilson makes for your team. That's going to be night and day. Like, I think it's going to be a big wake up call when you win three to four games this year. And it's like, Oh, this team does suck. Russell Wilson is over in Denver winning like 12, 13 games in the best division that I've ever seen in football in the, in the AFC West. But I don't know. I think it's going to be a big wake up call for everyone in Seattle. Kind of like, yo, this is really what a bottom out looks like. And Seahawks fans, if you're listening to this, we had the bottom out a couple years ago, so it's going to even out. I mean, it's not like the 49er fans haven't had to, had to haven't had to deal with that um, in the Jimmy Tom school years. Uh, so I don't know. I, I think that's where I'm at. I think your playoff teams, I got Cowboys winning the division, Rams winning the division. I'm going to change it. Packers winning the division, um, Bucks, and then my playoff teams will probably be the Vikings, the Niners, and the Eagles. But there's other teams that can make a run, and AFC, the NFC is kind of wide open for a lot of spots, but – I think the Niners are super legit. I think if they don't make the playoffs, it's a massive disappointment. Even if Trey Lance looks terrible, I still think they should make the playoffs. Um, but yeah, that's probably all I have. So Aiden, any, anything else on the NFC? No, I think you hit it right on the head. Um, I mean, I think 10 and seven gets you in. Um, and even if the Niners don't win the division, I think it's pretty clear that they're a top three team roster wise at this moment right now. Uh, behind the Bucks and Rams just because we've seen them have success over the past few years. But, I mean, you could make a case. Every team in the NFC has major, major question marks um, going into this year. And the Niners are one of them. But um, if if there's going to be a year to have a first-year starter and have question marks at quarterback, this is probably the year. Um, so, I mean, we're, we're, still, we're still waiting for Brady to fall off a cliff. I don't believe it'll ever happen, I guess. He's, he's undefeated against Father Time. I'm picking him in, in fantasy drafts because he's going like the 13th round. Uh, pick him up all day. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's a really exciting time to be a 49er fan. And say, say the Niners exceed expectations this year, win 13 games. Like you could run this conference for the next five, five years. Like every, like the Bucks and Rams are both old. Uh, Stafford major question marks around that that elbow and he's what 35 Brady's 45 uh, this is probably if not his last year his last two years um, and then everybody else like there's not another um, confirmed really good quarterback like Rodgers is, is is old there's there's not a good young quarterback uh, that we know is is good and in a good situation um, in this entire conference so if Lance does pan out like you could be looking at the Niners doing similar to what the Chiefs have done over the past couple of years. Um, and I don't even think Lance needs to be that good. Um, so super exciting time. And uh, I, I, I just can't wait for week one against the Bears, which hopefully will be a good barometer of how the, the season goes, because if 
somehow we lose to the Bears. I think everything that we just said sort of goes in in the the tank. So um, super excited to see it kicked off. Uh, watch watch Trey uh, and watch us run the damn ball, which I always love to see. Yeah, I'm I'm there with you, man. And yeah, I I also I'll say this, dude. Week one of the NFL is absolutely terrifying because like though there's like five five games every year where it's like how did that team win? Like what? That, like if you look at it on paper, you're like no, no, no there's like that zero percent chance the team's gonna win. So no, I'm actually kind of terrified for that. Um, just like oh, immediate trap game against the Bears and the Bears are bad. So yeah, we'll see how it plays out. But I, I am pumped for this season. I, I think the stuff you brought up about the young quarterbacks, dude. Who is it? Who are the young quarterbacks? Hurts, Fields, Kyler. Those are the three. Like those are the three guys. And like I'm not really sold on on Hurts and Fields is in a horrible situation. Kyler, we just talked about the problems that Kyler's had. So like no, it it is true. Like this is there's a lot of positive outlook for the 49ers moving forward. And you know a lot of these teams are older, um, and we're gonna see how they play out. But I'm I'm looking forward to it. We only got a we only got a few more days till till NFL kick kicks off. So. Thanks can do it though for this episode. Really long one. Um, planning to do probably a little bit longer episode just because we're only gonna be recording one time a week um, throughout the season. But looking forward to to pumping out Niners content and, and a little bit of NFL content as well. But I think it's gonna do it. So thank you guys all for listening, and we'll be back next week.